there were so many parts of a miscarriage that I was just so unaware of. And even being a female, it's interesting because I felt almost out of touch with my body and not even understanding the consequences that were going to happen to me physically after such a devastating loss. Hey there, and welcome to the Soul Talks podcast. We are your hosts, Julie Gerber, inner critic and body image coach. And I'm Sarah Vasquez, breakup recovery and empowerment coach. Tune in as we dive into conversations about the pursuit of your desires so that you can feel confident and become magnetic in life and love. If you're ready for some deep soul talks all about dating and love, the relationship you have with yourself, and some crazy wild stories along the way, grab your girlfriend, a glass of wine, or your favorite drink, and enjoy the ride. Welcome, everyone, to Soul Talks. We have a heart-opening and intimate and beautiful conversation here that Julie has been so courageous and brave to share here on Soul Talks. And it's going to really be talking about the journey of her going through a miscarriage, her being in a relationship while she was going through a miscarriage, and just the aftermath of what she was experiencing as she was processing her baby loss. And so if any of you are feeling like you are going through a really hard time or you know someone that is struggling or going through this as well, this is going to be an incredible podcast episode for you to tune in and listen to because there's a lot of misinformation on what women are needing along the process. And there's a lot of things that are also missing from stories that we're hearing on just societal's perspective on how women are struggling and going through the process of losing their baby. So Julie, I'm so honored to be holding space here for you in Soul Talks. And I know for me personally, I'll be very honest, this is not an easy topic for me to talk about, you know, it, it, um, and I can't imagine how that is going to feel for you as well. So um, it's an honor to have you and to have you speaking your truths and being so open and honest about your journey. So I'm curious for to ask you, what inspired you to share your story today? It's really important to share the story now versus years ago. And so to give maybe context, I lost my baby in 2021, January 14th. And we're actually recording this episode uh, two years later, just two years and a bit later. So my journey has looked different over these two years. And the reason why I'm feeling called to share it today is because I know I have reached a point in my own grief and my own healing where I'm beginning to have happiness in life and able to entertain the idea of motherhood again. And that wasn't something I thought was even possible two years ago. When I went through the initial loss, there were so many parts of a miscarriage that I was just so unaware of. 
And even being a female, it's interesting because I felt almost out of touch with my body and not even understanding the consequences that were going to happen to me physically after such a devastating loss. I obviously am a therapist and a coach by background. So I intuitively was was thinking, <laughs> thinking I was prepared for the emotional piece. And I wasn't. <laughs> I really, really almost, you know, kind of crashed in that area, I would say. Although that is something I was hoping that I would be able to kind of get through on my own or with the right support, it was probably the area where I was less prepared and had the most devastating impact. And I can remember those moments sitting on the computer and Googling and reading anything I could find of women sharing their story. And there were so many stories that did resonate with me and so many stories that helped with pieces of my own process. And that's also why I want to share today is because not that my story's unique. I want to share so I can potentially fill in the pieces that I was looking for and couldn't find when, when I needed it the most. So just to kind of bring people through what happened for me is I did lose my baby at 20 weeks. And, you know, for those that are listening, I will say I am from Canada. So our healthcare system is going to look different than maybe someone that's listening um, anywhere else in the world. And I am very thankful for moments of my health experience and also saddened by others. When I found out I was pregnant, it was not that moment that I I think I had dreamt about. And this is the first time I have ever been pregnant. I was 37 at the time and in a relationship uh, with a man who had two children of his own. So it did come with some complexities. I didn't get to experience that joy and that excitement of telling my partner. And and even not at that, just that, I didn't get to experience that for myself either. When I found out, I initially felt a lot of fear. And immediately I went to this place of how is he going to perceive this news? I was worried about his reaction then just allowing myself to actually sit and joy. So from the beginning, my pregnancy wasn't what I had dreamt it to be. And obviously sitting here today, I can look at that and, you know, I'll, I'll tell, I'll bring people back up to speed where I am with the relationship because that ties into the overall healing journey as well. And I feel like I kind of got to, I missed out. I really feel like I missed out on the pure joy of learning I was pregnant and getting to tell my partner and feel their joy and excitement. So the beginning started off a little rocky. And 
Um, initially, initially, when I found out, obviously, you kind of go through those motions of, you know, calling the doctor, setting up the appointments. And during this time, it was COVID. So the opportunity for my partner to join any of my medical appointments just wasn't possible. However, I will say, I also probably wasn't advocating strongly enough and or he wasn't either for both of us to be present in those upcoming appointments. And even our my first medical appointment, there was concern brought forward initially based on some things that my doctor was seeing. And it was never actually uh, fear of, you know, the baby not developing correctly. It was uh, initially worry that maybe I was having twins or I was actually a lot farther along than uh, I had anticipated or I had estimated. So I can really remember um, after that appointment, again, that sinking feeling of fear that something's not right. And after that, you know, appointment to appointment, we finally discovered that I had fibroids that were impacting the shape and the size of my uterus. And I was rest assured that this isn't something serious. It is common in most, you know, a lot of women, it's common, and that they would monitor me. And it's, it's looking back on that, that I wish, again, I would have advocated for myself, that I would have spoken up. I wish I would have uh, really encouraged to be seen by an OBGYN very soon and to be monitored at high risk based on the fibroids, my age, um, and just overall health. And I didn't. So after I um, continued, obviously, to follow up on whatever medical recommendations were made and um, had a fear, like had this constant, constant fear that something wasn't right. And about 11 weeks, I believe, in, I experienced some spotting. And the emotion that I felt that morning, getting up, getting ready, going to work, and all of a sudden spotting. And again, so disconnected from my body, so unsure of my body and how it would respond to pregnancy, and having this sinking feeling that this isn't right. And calling my partner and asking to be brought to the eMERGE. And when I was brought into the eMERGE, I walked in and I had tears because, again, my fear came back with a vengeance of something's wrong and I'm going to lose this child. And I can remember even checking into the emergency department and being initially seen by the nurse while she's taking some general information. And she had asked me, Why are you crying? And that, uh, as as someone that who has also worked in healthcare, I was very taken back by that question. And female to female, I didn't understand why she was asking that question. I thought that that would be a very uh, intuitive <laughs> and normal response. So obviously, in my fear, I responded with a very calm answer and said, "Well, I'm fearful. I'm going to lose my child." And I wasn't given comfort in that moment, which I wish I was. So 
I continued to kind of move through that day in the appointment and was seen by two physicians and one physician telling me that he would just monitor me, that actually he'd send me home and we just continue to monitor the spotting. And of course, every time, you know, they pulled up the ultrasound, everything looked healthy. And they would always, oh, I can always remember every time I had ultrasounds and, and through this whole process, I think I probably had about 20 ultrasounds because I was in and out of the eMERGE. Every time the physician would indicate that the baby is healthy, bouncing around, moving, and there would be laughter and giggle with that. And I, in, in that moment, I would be at peace. But the peace never stayed. So. I actually went through this process, I believe, about five more times in and out of the eMERGE uh, because of spotting. And then, then the added piece of pain, I started developing pain. So I'm now at about 17 weeks, and this is maybe my third or fourth visit into the emergency department showing up with pain and spotting. And same response. Everything looks healthy. Let's, you know, here's some pain medication. We're going to send you home. And throughout this, I'm again at a loss of what is happening. People aren't listening to me. And it wasn't until, you know, I did have a very positive experience in the emergency department where there was a physician that um, wasn't going to send me home until she had some answers. And thankfully, you know, she sent me for more testing and referred me um, immediately to be seen by an OBGYN. And uh, again, a moment of peace. I'm going to be seen, I'm going to be taken care of, and everything's going to be okay. Within a matter of weeks, I was back and forth to the eMERGE a few more times after that initial appointment. And the last time I was in the eMERGE, I think until 5 a.m., sent home again with pain medication, where it did provide that initial relief. By the time I got home, we were calling the ambulance probably two hours later because of um, some further bleeding. And just that moment of knowing, it was in that moment I knew. I knew that this, this is what is happening. And I am good in a crisis. <laughs> and I pulled myself together and I instructed my partner what to do. And I was able to communicate with, <laughs> you know, the, the paramedics that showed up and tell them all the information they needed to know. I, at that moment, put on that hat of I'm a healthcare worker. I know what you need, the information you need in order to best help me. And, you know, through that experience of, you know, going to the hospital, I was calm, very uh, eerily calm. And it was not until the next morning, so I was admitted, and it was not until the next morning that I actually found out that I had lost the baby. And that was devastating, shocking. And when I was told 
uh, that I had lost my child, I was again in this moment of calm. And I right away started to ask questions in terms of what's next, what happens next. Because uh, I actually did not know. I had no concept of medically what goes on. And obviously they, they informed me and I went and got on the phone because no one's with me at this time. So that's, I think, probably the hardest part. Yeah. Looking back, it's it's the aloneness, that feeling of not only physically being alone, but feeling alone. So it's just unfortunate for me and many other women, you know, during COVID having to experience the loss alone. So my only form of support was through my cell phone, which <laughs> when you're leaving for the hospital in an ambulance, you don't necessarily think bring your charger. So <laughs> I was running low on power. Obviously, I had some very um, supportive nurses that gave me a phone charger and helped me out. When making those calls again, I went to a very calm place. I called my partner and again, gave him, gave him instructions. You now can come to the hospital. Uh, you need to enter here, do this, do that. Called my parents, uh, told them again, I felt as though I was comforting everyone, which is very lonely. So through, you know, the next several hours, um, you know, I not, I don't think it's helpful to get into the details. However, uh, there was several complications that occurred. And I ended up in emergency surgery and then had a blood transfusion. So at that point, I was also then in the hospital for several days because of, you know, the events that occurred following. And that was the piece that I also didn't expect. I had zero concept of the medical procedures following a miscarriage and it's going to look different of course for everybody depending on what stage you're at and I am grateful though being in the hospital at that moment I was able to receive that urgent care and uh, when I was in hospital for those few days I had so much support from uh, the nursing staff beautiful support. And that's always going to sit with me. So once I finally was uh, discharged, it was when everything hit me. Because I went from one place of expecting a child to then all of a sudden, no longer expecting a child. And as I felt and was able to learn through hearing other people's stories, it was the future that I was grieving greatly, like beyond anything that I could have ever imagined was this whole future I had played out in my mind was now in an instant, although it wasn't in an instant, it felt 
as though it was, was gone. And that was lonely. That was the piece that continued to reinforce this lonely feeling. Whether you have a supportive partner or family members around you, no one else is going through that future that you had planned out in your mind and in your heart with this child that you're expecting. So I had to figure out how do I move through that? How do I allow myself to grieve not only the loss of my child, but the loss of what I thought our future looked like? So just to kind of add to my story is it ended up that the loss of the baby and other uh, situations or other factors, my relationship also fell apart. So I'm now going through a loss of a child and a relationship lost. It was so much to take on at, at one point. And I didn't know how to figure both out simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, it, that's a... And also what I was hearing, so much of this struck out for me, but the piece that I want to ask you a little bit deeper is when you were going in and out of the hospital and the emergency because of spotting, there was something that you were feeling that intuitively something was wrong, but there was also this trust in the healthcare system, it seemed like, that you're getting everything checked up on. You, they're noticing that you have fibroids, but there's something in you that was like, something just feels a little bit strange. And can I ask you a little bit about that journey on what you were feeling and what you were thinking along that process? Because I know a lot of women are also going to be feeling that like, I feel something in my body might be a little bit strange, but they're not looking into it or they don't seem to have the intuition to really meet me there. So can I ask you what you were thinking and feeling in that? Mm-hmm. Such a good question. When I was told about the fibroids, I can remember, again, Googling fibroids. And the word miscarriage came up in the Google search with the words fibroids. I didn't type that. It just came up. And in that moment, I, looking back, knew. I knew that that was going to be my experience. And I have had medical follow-up and my physician assures me it was not the fibroids. And I believe that. I don't think the fibroids contributed because I am in a position where I am healthy, still have the fibroids. And my physician says I can have a beautiful pregnancy. Um, I know there was a spiritual piece here for me. It was not the right timing and the spirit of this child was brought in for me to have a very deep and almost explosive awakening. I just didn't know that back then. I know that now that took about a year uh, to come to that because in the beginning, I, I was looking for the medical reason, medical reason why. And just kind of going back to your question, uh, when I read those words in the Google search, miscarriage, there was 
a power within those words that just hit me deep that began that gut inner knowing and I tried to actually avoid it because I didn't want to believe that so I kind of dismissed it however every day I the moment I woke up that fear came up within me you were talking about the spiritual pieces of it so what do you feel the spirit of your baby left you mm-hmm. love 100 percent love and the, the spirit of the baby also reassured me of who I am and my worth and my desires. For me, having a child was something that I had questioned for many years. It was never something that I knew from a young age that I wanted. It was always in the back of my mind, but potentially something I may have dismissed or altered based on what relationship I was in. So if I was in a relationship with someone who didn't want to have a child or already had children, I sometimes adapted to their narrative. And through this experience, I truly believe the spirit of the child that came through was here to awaken me to my greatest desires and to finally voice those, finally acknowledge those and no longer adapt to someone else's and begin to be that authentic part of me. Mm-hmm. It's like so. your baby gave confirmation that you're meant to be a mom. And that's mm-hmm. what you want. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... I still believe that, although I have, you know, for the listeners here, I don't have a child today. Um, I'm going now back on that path to pursue what that could look like for me. And I'm open. I'm open to all options. And it is finally something for me that I'm willing to voice, where for the last 10 years, I have denied it, and it was almost like denying a part of me, which I think women do all the time. And it's not just with whether I want a child or not. We do it in other areas of our lives as well. We deny ourselves what we know is at our core, what we know we desire. And can I ask you what? you feel you were denying was it it denying it because of the needs of your partner was it denying it because yeah what what was yeah mostly denying it for the needs of my partner so I was willing to accept a relationship that didn't actually align with my my values or my desires And I've had a couple of relationships where I faced the same question. Do you want to have children? 
and my partner saying no. And I eventually leave that relationship and then enter another relationship, same question, same answer. And in both circumstances, I convinced myself or believed I was convincing myself that, okay, I don't. And to be fair, both of those partners probably will come back to me and actually say, you didn't, you weren't clear. And they're not wrong. I was wavering. I never provided a clear answer because I, my answer was always out of fear. If I say what I truly want and desire, I will have to lose what's in front of me. And that is so hard to desire something so greatly that you don't yet have, but it means you have to let go of something that you, you do desire but it's not serving you anymore. And that might be that relationship. How has having a miscarriage affected your life? Within the first month to three months after the loss, it had a huge impact because I almost got into a place of not understanding what my purpose in life was anymore. I wanted to uh, completely change who I was externally and internally. I took time off of my job, which again, such gratitude for that availability. And at the same time, I was questioning, do I even like to do this work anymore? How am I ever going to show up in my role as a coach, a therapist and support someone else through their challenges when I can't support myself, when I am in so much anger? And questioning pretty much everything, my past uh, relationships, my current life situations, it was just at such a loss of life. I was going through loss and I was lost. What were some of the things that you wanted to change internally and externally? Was it leaving your career? Was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah leaving my career, leaving my like city that I lived in, uh, re- almost like this reinventing of myself. And I was working with a therapist um, initially who specialized in miscarriages. And I really kind of liked how she said it to me because she almost let me know that that version of me, the version before my pregnancy and during my pregnancy, Uh, I wasn't going to go back to her. And when she first kind of described that to me, that's where I was like, but who else am I? Like, I couldn't think of a future. I couldn't think of anything positive moving forward or how to transition myself besides just basically uh, dismissing anything that I had been through. And that was the initial thought of, I'm just going to forget it, right? I'm going to forget everything and I'm just going to move on and not look at this anymore and become someone else. Someone else that does something different, maybe looks different and and not changing my outer appearance too much, but it was more of just a small change. I'm going to change the way I dress, do my hair, do my makeup, Um, which did nothing for me. (laughs) 
it, it just occupied my time and and uh, my money <laughs> momentarily. Um, and I was I was very quick to understand that that wasn't going to help me. And after a lot of therapy, and as you know, those that haven't listened to the episode uh, two where we talk about how we met is eventually I not only was grieving the loss of the baby and going through the motions of a miscarriage, I was also going through a breakup. So I obviously reached out to you and began to do the work on the relationship ending. And sometimes I wasn't even sure which one I was grieving. That was, that was the hard part. And on top of this, I also was uh, lost in where I was living. So I had been living with my partner. And when we decided to end the relationship, I had to find temporary housing because I had a place, however, I had rented it. So I thankfully, again, have very supportive family, which my parents welcomed me back into their home. And as grateful as I am for them, there was so much resistance. And I, you know, it further fueled this lostness of what am I doing in life? I'm 37. I'm single. I just had a miscarriage. And now I'm living with my parents and I'm not working. (laughs) So the self worth in me was being destroyed and I barely had enough physical energy to get up and move through my day, let alone emotionally tackle all of these things that were kind of coming at me. And it did take time. I, you know, I want that to be the main message is despite all of these horrific things coming at me, and in such a short period of time, two years down the road, which is today, I am healthy. I am happy. I am. I have discovered that newer version of myself and have been living that life and am still continuing to learn about myself every moment <laughs> of every day. And I have. Uh, had some really amazing things happen throughout the heartbreak, throughout the heart and the loss of of a child. So that didn't come immediately, though. Mm. What would you say? There's two questions that come to mind with how how a woman needs support along this journey because I coached you while you were going through this grief and the loss of your ex at the time. And I just remember the amount of support that you were feeling in the relationship or the emotional connection. It, it wasn't there as deeply as you wanted it. So for Mm -hmm. couples that are going through this, how can someone be there for their partner when they're going through this and what are some things that you feel you definitely should not say to someone as they're processing their baby loss the biggest thing that sticks out for me were these words it's time to just move on 
anytime someone said that or my partner said that, it ripped me apart because I didn't have the option. I wasn't given the choice to just move on. My body was reminding me every day of the loss. My heart was aching every day. So it wasn't even possible. So the biggest thing is those words were so hurtful, even though that they probably weren't intended to be. And I know that now in the moment I didn't know that. And I understand why people use things like, let's move on. Let's, let's move past this because it's the way that they have to grieve or the way that that individual has to cope. And for someone that actually went through the physical aspects and is still moving through the emotional aspects, it's not an option. It's not. And I think in that instance, I would have loved someone to just be with me in that inability to just move on. I wanted them to recognize that that wasn't a possibility. That my moving on was going to be moving through it. And there were, you know, other things that I know helped and other things that potentially made it more challenging. Everyone's uncomfortability with the sadness sometimes wasn't as supportive as I liked it to be. A lot of times people were checking in on me through my partner because we were still together for a period of time and people would call him daily and ask how I was doing. For me, I would have loved those people to reach out to me to say, how are you doing? How can I show up for you today? And I unfortunately experienced a partner that was struggling himself and he didn't know how to support me or support himself. So it unfortunately looked like no support and he's not a bad person. I know it's nothing anybody's prepared for. And that I think that would have meant probably so much to me to hear what people were thinking and feeling and coming and saying it to me. I also have such an amazing cousin who is like a sister to me. And, you know, despite her not even being in the same city, she showed up for me, you know, more than someone who was sitting next to me and finding those little things. She was, you know, so generous to put together a care package of all my favorite things, but also things that she clearly had researched of what someone might need while they're going through this grief process. And she had it mailed to me. And then she also reached out to people that lived close to me that she knew. And of course, they dropped off, you know, food, <laughs> homemade meals. Uh, those are those uh, moments where you see such gratitude in people. And I had so many people do small acts of kindness as well. 
Um, it was after Christmas that this all happened. So our Christmas lights were still up or our Christmas tree hadn't gotten thrown away yet. So um, people showed up and just did those things, you know, and I can remember my dad, he's, he's not an emotional person <laughs> and he shows love through acts of service and he fixed a couple of things around the house that needed fixing. Um, so again, like that was his way to show up for me. And I accept that people can show their love and support in different ways. And I was missing for the most part, someone showing up to show me support in the way that I needed it. I, I didn't have someone that would just see my tears and hug me. And that's what I needed because I am, I am someone that sues through, through touch. And, and the, just words sometime of I am here. That's the most that I probably wanted was a hug and for someone to just say, I see you, I hear you. I don't need to fix you. I, that was also, I didn't need to be fixed at all. I just needed someone to witness that I was on a journey. I think one of the biggest pieces in our world and society is we could get really frozen in traumatic events of other people's lives and we can really feel tripped up on what the right thing to say is or how to show up and when I'm hearing from your lens and I know a lot of women have experienced through your lens too is there's this piece that on this side if we do feel frozen or we don't know how to respond or react you're feeling invisible in that process you're feeling like who's calling me and who's showing up for me and why is everyone talking through my person instead of coming to me and I think that's a really big lesson for myself and all of us to really sink into is when something like this happens how can we lean in instead of just being frozen or pulling back because this is the time when we're needing each other the most and so this part of you I sense felt very invisible in the process and being invisible and anything like that is incredibly lonely. So what, what is it that you wish you knew and understood about baby loss? I don't know if there's anything that could have prepared me. I don't think it would have changed the healing process at all. What I probably looking back, I can remember the moments of the crying, you know, crying in the shower. Um, when I eventually went back to work, crying on my way to work, on my break, you know, on my way home that despite the significant loss the tears would slow down the heart would transform and i would come to peace again 
the moment that I was able to look at some of the pieces, you know, here in Canada, and I'm sure other places, you get a memory box, and it might have footprints, handprints, and other memorable items. And I had an ultrasound photo that I put in the box. And I don't necessarily recommend this to everyone. However, it's what I needed to do. Every day, I pulled out that box and went through the items and just sat on the floor and cried until I couldn't cry anymore. I didn't want to avoid it. It was for for me, I opened myself up to basically say, bring me all, bringing me at all, bring me all the grief, all the pain, all the hurt, all the anger, because I'm going to face it now. And that was my process. And eventually, I did get to a place where I was able to no longer have to look at the memory box every day or look at it and not have overwhelming tears. And when I was finally able to take the ultrasound photo, it, it you know, I kind of went through different phases. It, I'd look at it and everything went back in the box and went back in the closet, pulled it back out, you know, day in, day out. And eventually I got to a place where I took the ultrasound photo out and I put it on my fridge. And I got to a place where I could look at that photo every day and acknowledge the spirit. And I made a commitment to this spirit, this child that I had lost, that I was going to get through this and that I was going to make my life meaningful. And it, it grounded me, that grounded me every day. And that probably was not until nine months after that I could do that. And that photos moved in my home. It still exists in, in the way that I connect with that ultrasound photo is always from a place of grounding. What is it that you wish that we knew? and understood about losing baby. That everyone's experience is unique. And everyone will need something maybe different. And that no matter how much pain that they're in, the moments after, the months after, and maybe the year or years after that we are still beautiful, amazing human beings. And I say that because I think there's this perception sometimes when people go through such loss that they're maybe broken or fragile. And I believe it's the exact opposite. It, allowed me to strengthen myself and become more whole. More whole because I finally was acknowledging myself, my purpose, my desires. 
And I wasn't willing to abandon those things. So it's, you know, that saying is that there is sometimes the light after the dark. And I've gotten to experience that. And I know others can too. I was doing some research on forums and listening to podcasts about how after someone goes through a miscarriage, how we can talk to you, how we can um, hold space for you. And one of the things that I was really surprised about was that there were multiple women that were sharing their perspective on it's okay if you talk about the baby. It's okay if you say his or her name. It's okay if you want to bring in motherhood and say that you are a mother. And I think that could be a little bit confusing for us, you know, me personally as well, because I'm learning so much through you in this podcast of how how can we show up for you after what you went through? Yeah, I absolutely would agree. I wanted to be able to talk about it. And the people that I was able to talk about it was my therapist. And although she held the space, it wasn't the same. I would have loved to be able to talk about it with a partner, a close friend. And I think, yeah, it's that fear. People are worried to upset you or um, uncertain, right? A lot of times uncertain of what to say and not wanting to say the wrong thing. And I personally, you know, went through, obviously the first year, there were certain moments that were more challenging, such as Mother's Day, you know, Christmas. Again, in those moments, I was still processing, processing the initial grief, but I was again going through what I believed would have happened. The, the future, right? That future dream. So when it was the due date, it was me actually moving through that, that idea of going to the hospital and delivering and coming home with a baby. I had to grieve that on top of just the, the grief that was present because of the loss. So I wanted someone in those moments to acknowledge those days and I did have people I did for sure have people that were able to just say we recognize today is going to be hard and that was something that I will always always remember of those people that were able to do that and show up for for me and hold as you were saying hold that space hold that container I so appreciate your honor and your courage for sharing such a hard story, love. And I know that you're two years out of your experience. And so you've obviously have processed a lot and you've come out the other side with a lot of self-learning and a lot of tools and just the inner world that you've been able to um, come out of this, just resurrect through it. And I know by no means for anyone listening that is going through this or that has been years out, it's not perfect. It's not linear. It's not going to look 
like Julie's story or it's not going to look like anyone else's. I'm curious what advice you would give to someone that has just gone through it, has just had a miscarriage. What would you, what would you advise them? The last thing I probably would share is having patience. That's the biggest word that's probably coming up for me is giving yourself patience and that grace. I had somewhat of a concept around time and wanting, you know, certain markers to be at a certain place emotionally. And when I wasn't able to meet that, I went into this place where I would beat myself up or put pressure on myself. And that would be the biggest thing. I just want someone that is listening is to have patience with yourself and be able to ask others for patience. Because again, they may have moved on, <laughs> whether they're using those words or not, maybe they're, they're moving through it differently. And they're not able to maybe acknowledge that you're not at the same place they are, that you get to ask for their patience too. So ask, acknowledging it for yourself and asking others around you to be just as patient and sometimes more. Yeah. Is there something that you'd like to express to your baby? Anything you want to share or? Just gratitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't, that wouldn't have been my response a year ago. And today I know I'm so grateful. So it was a very short term that my baby was with me. It's been the most powerful experience in life to date. So I have gratitude for that. Yeah. I feel like baby taught you exactly what you were desiring and what you're wanting for yourself. And what a beautiful spiritual connection that you two had together, you know, and baby lives on with you, you know, and I think, um, I just want to say thank you again, Julie. I know that this is not an easy conversation to have and just honor your strength in all of this. So, yeah. Thank you everyone for listening. And if you are experiencing any grief, or feeling a lack of support, or just feeling alone, don't hesitate to reach out to Julie and I. And we're also open to listening, listening to what you're going through, listening to what you're experiencing. And one of the most profound questions that I found on the internet was what I wish others knew and understood about baby loss. So you are more than welcome to share your voice and share your experience and what you're going through because we know that it can be a really lonely road. So thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.